Welcome to episode two of The Gaming Guru. Yes, we have a name now. Indeed we do, indeed we do. Cool. Still, however, easily the best gaming podcast on the interwebs, and all the world, in fact. And um, today, we are going to be talking about, um, I think let's, let's start with more combat. That's what I've been playing the most of. Um, I'm not oh, sure yeah. if, you, if you started jamming it yet. I uh, haven't started jamming it yet. Um, I still have to get my hands on it. I've been playing a bit of uh, MKX just to try and like refresh my memory oh, on yeah. some, of the, some of the fundamentals and yeah, get myself back into it. When I was still in Joburg, I had a buddy introduce me to it and he was really good. So every time we hung out, like he just, you know, kicked my ass a lot. Yeah. So I really had to like up my game. So yeah, it's the same kind of grasshopper. Are yeah, you a yeah. predator player? I'm a predator player, dude. Oh yeah, it's it's a bit tough. It's not exactly like a, a very good like beginner character, but definitely someone who I guess like works for me aesthetically. I'm a bit of a predator. I <laughs> <laughs> I got uh, I got into the hype train quite seriously a couple of months ago when like, yeah. you're just watching all these MK11 trailers and all that, and you just go. How much does MKX cost? And so go on there and I found it for like 180 bucks and started jamming again. This is probably an indictment on my Xbox at the moment. I own MKX on Xbox. Yeah. And rather than put the disc into my Xbox and play it, I've downloaded it for PSN. Yeah, but it's going for so cheap now anyway. I'm, I'm just may as well. Not really digging my Xbox. I don't really play it as much. I should probably just sell it because I, I just don't use it. I just use play my PlayStation. Yeah, good luck trying to sell your Xbox. <laughs> you reckon? No, yeah, I've, no I've had so, in the last like three years I've had numerous friends buy an Xbox and within three months they're trying to sell it to buy themselves a PS4. No, they're just no games, man. Yeah. That's the problem. But we're not here to debate the console war uh, winners and losers in this generation. I uh, want to talk about MK11. Uh, it's obviously, it launched on the 24th. Um, yes. So whenever you are listening to this in time, I won't say yesterday or today or whatever, but it's, it launched on the 24th. I, I had the privilege of playing it for a couple of days before, um, just for a review, and uh, managed to get through the story mode, loving that. I, I enjoy it because it's like, I think we were talking beforehand, it's this melodrama, yeah. they're writing these excuses really for these players to fight. There's, there's a couple of hammy ones where, you know, not to, it's really not a spoiler, but in the one, Cassie Cage becomes the new commander, leader of the squad of special forces. And there's this supposed tra uh, tradition that you have to beat the crap out of the previous CEO. And so you have your first fight is against your mom. Uh, and it's like, <laughs> and obviously as you know, MKX is like breaking, or MK11, you're breaking bones and you're standing yeah. and some of the fatal moves you, uh, with Cassie, like, you know, your Colt 45s to the head and it's just like, cool, man, that's your mom. It's like, and afterwards, like, yeah, good job. You're making yeah. this year. It's like, what, I just put a bullet in your skull. Like, what happens on Mother's Day, dude? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the thing about Mortal Kombat is I really feel as though they really understand their brand at this point. They understand that they're, you know, a character-driven melodrama, you know, a bit campy, quite over the top, you know, with um, intense violence. But they also have these really colorful characters and I think it's one of the, only you know fighting games that we, we had a they had a very successful movie like back in the early 90s but absolutely hilarious now yeah, yeah, yeah. to watch you it's, know it's, it's totally for the memes it's yeah it's completely for the memes but it's also one of those things where you know the, the music's iconic i really oh, yeah. liked hearing the music in the trailer as well two you know, the original oh. mortal kombat yeah. you know that disco disco yeah. like like full-on like 90s full rave on techno, yeah yeah, yeah and, and they're earning it you know they went through a couple of phases of you know figuring out like what their fighting game was and how it differenti differentiated from you know other fighters out there on the market you know they 
tried the weapons thing at one point in MK4. Uh, they did yeah. sort of like a 3D platform. They've gone back to the 2D uh, sort of platform. Um, yeah, I think it's for, for 2.5D or whatever. So it's rendered in 3D, but you're only playing one plane. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're playing on, on one plane, which is very much like the classic mm. way, um, the classic sort of perspective of, of fighting games. I think as far as the, the 3D stage goes, uh, Tekken kind of really owns that mm. in that space. So um, yeah, and they've refined their, they refined their, uh, their animations and you know, the past couple of years with uh, Injustice, Injustice 2, and it's really cool to see it coming back now, back home at uh, MK11. Yeah, let's talk about some of the stuff that's, that's changed a bit. Um, what, I, what I have enjoyed is I feel there's always been this massive gap with fighting games between your button mashers, your people who, you know, I'm, I'm just above button masher. Like, so I know some combos, but I know two maybe combos per character, and I will just spam those, and if you recognize them, you will punish them every single time. It felt like the gap from there to get to even like mildly competitive, you know, where you would like pitch up at, at a land and just play and, and maybe win a round or a map you know, against someone. That gap has always been huge and it required you to go invest a lot of time, go watch YouTube tutorials, yeah. go on Reddit discussions, all that sort of stuff to find out like how to get better at the game. This tutorial system that they've got uh, in MK11 is much better. So in terms of like taking you through obviously the basic mechanics, blocking and throwing and how to, um, you know, the, the things like delay get ups and get up counters and all that stuff that they take you through, how to string combos together. But then it goes into the more advanced stuff that you'd only learn online. So yeah, footsies yeah. and zoning and, and understanding different things like rushdown characters and grapplers yeah. and all that sort of stuff and, and how to build variations to uh, suit your play style. And so I feel if there was ever a edition that gave me the chance to transition from a button basher into someone who could play competitively, it's this one. Yeah, I mean, for, for me, I, I think that there's generally um, like a focus in the last couple of, of years as far as um, like fighting games concerned, where like they really need to to bake this into, into the game design, make it more accessible for new players because fighting games historically have been um, like difficult to pick up and they can be intimidating you know mm -hmm. if you go up to someone in the arcade they're like yo let's let's jam a couple of rounds if there's any inkling in you that this person knows like one or two things more than you you are going to lose yeah you know like all he has to do is is block and maybe have one attack yeah, if he yeah. just knows when to do that yeah if you've got a combo that takes 25 yeah, off do it four times so it's like lose, you yeah. know you might in that's in that case be like no thanks it's cool i won't i won't do that and, and definitely i've backed down from from fights that way because i'm like i'm just gonna yeah, get embarrassed tactic, i'm gonna yeah. get embarrassed so you know when i got big into fighting games in 2018 was when i was playing um uh, dragon ball fighters and they had a really cool uh, auto combo system that they employed to try and like even the playing field mm -hmm. out so you could be doing these these big combos but it's only kind of one button pushes and what it did was really sort of teach you the fundamentals of how these games work and how they function for you to then go and play with that in the lab or whatever and you know figure it out yourself yeah. and that really opened up the whole playing field for me yeah i think accessibility is a huge thing because the one of the intimidating factors and i remember a review of quake as to one of the reasons that it's so intimidating compared to getting into other first person shooters like a call of duty or counter-strike is that it's 1v1 from a tournament perspective like quake is played yeah, as yeah. a 1v1 yeah you can play the all random deathmatch type modes where everyone's just running around like headless chickens trying to get the top score but like gen generally if you want to play competitively it's mono a mono get in the cage sort of thing one two men enter one man leave sort of thing or 
two two um, gender non-specific people enter and, and one leaves, and it's it's become this thing now where same with fighting games. If you and I play each other and you win, it's very obvious that you were better than me. Exactly. So if I get into a five v five thing and hopefully there's a bit of balancing, your five might have beat my five, but like I might have been the weakest player, but I'm very much hidden. So yeah, even totally. The, you, even, even if the scoreboard shows that I'm like zero kills and ten deaths, I might have been playing objectives. I might have been playing support. You don't really know that I'm that trash. But it's the fact that like my team lost to your team and it dilutes a lot of that pressure. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of like. You know, you can kind of uh, like put your failures onto the shoulders of other team members, right? Like in and blame them. Yeah, totally, <laughs> and blame them. Even if you were completely at fault, you can be like, "Well, there was that one time in the game where you, you stole know, my you kill." Did that. Yeah, 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 totally. And that like threw my whole game <laughs> off, right? We all know those excuses when it comes to like to team games. When it is like a one v one, you know, um, uh, fighting games, um, sports titles as yeah, well. FIFA, you know, racing FIFA, games, or even yeah. racing games. It's really much like you have to own. Or the failure mm. and it's trying to find the middle ground in that where um, where you know enough to know that you that you did well and like lost fairly yeah, yeah. you know and it's creating that sort of like entry-level uh, pathway for new players to really like open up the space and this is probably why like the fighting game community has traditionally like been quite small because it's hard to hard to enter that being, yeah. that being said it feels like one of the communities that are super uh, inclusive once you get in. No, exactly. So because I think they're, they're aware of this and they know it. So they, they're fighting they, hard to And they want it to grow. Yeah. So, so they're, they're all about, you know, teaching, learning, and also the developers trying to um, like lower that, or at least um, like create a gradient on that, on that learning curve where it's not that difficult to pick up. And then if you want to get into it, yeah, there's yeah. a lot more like work you can do. Cause it's not like an uphill grind from the start. You know? Let's be honest, like guys, want to have that um that learning curve it mustn't be a case of exactly. going walking is easy and spending a couple of hours is not going to bring that much reward if, if i look at look some games have a steeper learning curve than others if i look at from software games i love their games because i feel when i invest the time i come out with a reward which is i'm becoming a better player mm. and uh, and you know, as, as both of us being like ex-Dota players, like the more you invest in Dota, the better you become. The better you it's, are. It's almost yeah. like directly proportional. What I felt with fighting games is that um, there's often just this gap, and it's so hard to get good because yeah. um, th there's almost no safe space. It's like you're expected to go grind it out in the dojo or the AI training mode, and then you play your first human player, and it's so different. Yeah. And, and my first, I, for the first time last night, I had the confidence. I mean, I played MK pretty much all of them. The f and maybe it's also the first time I've had a reliable internet connection to be able to play European service. But I had my first set of five online games last night that I've ever played. Awesome. How'd they go? Like, I won three, two. Hey, well done. But, That's a great uh, three, one, actually. Yeah, I won th he won the first and won the next three. Um, but matched against, I was a level 21 character. He was level 20. He had never played any games. So he has had a 50% chance of winning. I had a 50% chance of winning. So, you both accept. We both played Scorpion. It's a crazy we, feeling, hey? Yeah, like, the first time adrenaline. I, yeah, so the first good. time I played online, like my entire body just filled with adrenaline yeah. so fast. Yeah, and it, and it was intense. It was one of those, like, we were both baiting out crushing blows to finish the game. You yeah. know, both on our last sliver in the last round. Sure, you know, amazing. And it, 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 you can't beat that feeling. Yeah. Um, and, and the thing is, because games are so fast, you can have that feeling often. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's this instant gratification, you know, yeah. like, you are 
getting rewarded for the time and effort that you spent learning X amount yeah. of moves, you know, um, and, and seeing that pay off on screen in practice in real time. Because you look at a lot of other esports where I think they struggle is, um, first of all, from a player base, they struggle because that that exciting like last couple of seconds, whatever, is very rare. There's a lot of build up to. If I take um, battle royales for example, how often in PUBG, Fortnite, Apex, whatever, grind, 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 get um, weapons, maybe get a kill or two, get into the last circle and get potted by some third party that you didn't even see. Okay, cool. Spent the last 20 minutes and didn't actually yeah, get yeah. into the exciting part. Um, you know, you don't get to practice the the last circle that often. It's like the ultimate blue balls. Yeah, unless you organize scrims, which obviously yeah. not everyone is able to do because not a lot of games have, have custom lobbies in that. Whereas like this kind of allows you to be able to do, um, you know, playing those sort of games like as often, that like last section as often as possible. Okay, well, I mean, that's some of the good stuff of, of MK. Um, it's also been in the news, unfortunately, for the wrong reasons because I've seen, I was interested because I saw a lot of the reviews, the user reviews coming yeah. up on, on Steam and the like. And they were what they call like um, mixed, you know, I mixed. think Steam calls it, which is like between 40 and 60%. And you go in and most people like raving about the game, love the mechanics, uh, I think it's great, introduces a lot of new features, doesn't it dumbs down the game a little bit for newcomers, but without making it you know, unplayable. But they all are graphing about near predatory level of, of grind and microtransactions. Yeah. So um, I don't know if you, in the, in the past, a lot of it was you bought base game and you bought DLC or you bought the whatever the combat pack or whatever but also you'd be able to unlock stuff through through doing you know uh, trials challenges yeah, you know, yeah weekly yeah. challenges like unlock the skin through doing you know so, so with this cards. one there are a lot of skins I think every character's got about 60 skins sure. and some of them is odd it's like you know it's yellow now it's slightly less yellow for Scorpion he's like gold it's like okay cool so you can play the towers or you can buy them in the shop you can do whatever to get them you can do the crypt uh, the only thing that they've they've changed really i think is the the amount of work it takes to earn the currency okay. so for example a usual so we've had the crypt before and it's always been a kind of like meme you know you go around yeah, and yeah. open up chests but if you went online once someone had mapped up the entire thing you knew okay i'm looking for scorpion second fatality i go to this chest and you just spend the gold where you wanted to spend now it's almost completely random so there's some chests that have set loot but other are literally a loot box generator we've been told by nether realms that if you unlock every chest you will eventually get yeah. everything but there are about 600 chests and the costs are between 2000 gold to about 15000 and in perspective if you finish like a full-on tower you get about 10,000 gold so it's like you have to grind a buttload to be able to get enough gold to make a serious dent in the crypt you know what i'm not actually opposed to to loot boxes i'm not opposed to um, being able to you know get rewards for the work that you've done mm. you know um, what I'm opposed to is randomization because it is a tactic. Mm. It's a tactic that is used to manufacture annoyance. Mm. Someone's like, I don't want to flip a coin. I'd rather get exactly what I want. Yeah. So I'm just going to pay for it. I'm going to skip that whole grind. Yeah, but, fair enough. You know, and, and that's really where, where the annoyance comes in for me because they know exactly 100% that, you know, why they're, why they're doing this. Yeah. You know, you know, you're going to get over it. You know, when it comes to, let's say, I, I guess one of my first interactions with the uh, loot boxes i guess was through dota 2 you know they'll they'll have like the x chest for yeah. whatever league or 
theme or season or whatever that they're doing and you can see exactly what's in there but, but that's the difference is being able to see what you can possibly you can get see what's helps. in there and also another system they introduced a couple of years ago was when you have unlocked one thing you can't get it yeah, again yeah, so no more duplicates yeah you know um the loot boxes in path of exile you can get as many of the same item as you know yeah you know what i mean when they when they drop their boxes for their for the new leagues you can get all these duplicates and you cannot trade the duplicates either oh, so, so it's completely useless it completely useless you can't reforge them or can't reforge them, them. Or... it's just a complete waste of points yeah because dota at least had this thing where you could i mean besides some you're allowed a gift to other people or you could then consume them for battle points for your company yeah, yeah. so at least there's some use i don't know in terms of mortal combat if they are duplicate items or anything mm. but um there, there are a lot of them are you know you open up a chest and it's essentially useless stuff i mean some of them for example like when you're choosing a character variation so uh, we didn't chat about that with things that have changed so you've got they introduced the mkx you can have variation so you've got scorpion but you've got like deadly yeah, totally. sting as one and you've yeah, got you like, the, the three different variants yeah, presets. Yeah. now you can make your own presets so you can, so say for example scorpion's got like 10 special moves that are part of his kind of like arsenal you choose three you know to okay, add. That's so cool. he's obviously always got his teleport and he's always got his um his spear mm -hmm. but you might for example add that you know he rips off the mask and blows the flame sort of thing okay. you can yeah. add that you can add a teleport cancel to obviously bait out your your opponent kind of blocking um you know you can add those sort of things and so it makes a variation that's different for tournament player they've got set variations yeah. so you they only i think two or three per character so you don't have to learn all these crazy different combinations you can just can prepare for for this opponent yeah for you, you can prepare for yeah. the, the two or three tournament variations but it does allow in kind of casual multiplayer that you can make this crazy mix-up that no one's expecting um that being said with each variation you can set a different icon because they're about 60 those are the kind of things you pick up in these boxes oh wow like it's like yeah icon. big change so instead of like <laughs> okay, wow. a spear the spear has little <laughs> like little hookies on it cool i just opened up a six thousand gold uh loot box to get that you know so that's a little bit disappointing so then you also spoke about that you said that there are three different currencies and then how do you create oh, your yeah, currencies geez. so you got in the crypto you got used to like earning gold or coins uh with a k obviously um, and then you've got this other currency, which I think is called time crystals or something like that. And then, and that you earn slowly. Like I want to say you probably earn about 30 to 40 per hour. Um, and then the other one is hearts. Hearts, you get one every fatality and two every brutality. And you need for the chests, some of the chests need a hundred and others need 250 hearts. Sure. So that means at least 100 brutalities or so Good Lord. which is at least 100 matches and brutalities aren't easy to do they've yeah. got like in-game requirements that you've got to do like finish a game without blocking and the last hit must be an uppercut stuff sure. so like they're difficult to bait especially in multiplayer because once your opponent sees what you're trying to do you know he's going to try and avoid you know your your win criteria for that brutality so anyway um that's come under a lot of flack they've already nether realms have said like okay cool we're sorry we're gonna you know um, dial it back a little bit in terms of i think either the cost or the requirement or how much gold you generate per hour whatever yeah. but you still ask yourself going is that one of those aim at the absolute limit of acceptability because some yes. people i'm sure have already spent money on currency on that now they're dialing it back it's two days post launch 
but yeah. how much they're going to dial it back you know it's almost like we expect outrage but how much outrage let's well exactly let's i think i think that's all part of the part of the process i mean we know that in game development now like that's you know that's a whole department yeah. of the of the game development team you know the monetization team the people who are working on the you know financial models for how that these games are going to you know turn profits over time yeah. and those graphs and those predictions and you know foresight of things that they can use for how they steer the direction of uh, this experience mm-hmm. you know one of them knowing that it is a game that's an online economy and so it's an online game so you might be playing someone you know overseas in in France they know that that players are seeing other players and they'll see other players tricked out looking cool yeah better skins yeah yeah better skins and be like oh i want that i want to look like that and it's this uh, this creating that fomo dynamic yeah um, to be able to it's it's manipulative and and like you said it's i didn't even think that we're starting at the acceptable line i think the line that they consciously launch on is just one or two steps above acceptable what's yeah. acceptable i mean they can look around the boardroom at the team would you pay for this and yeah. they'd be like Hells no. Cool. Put it in. Yeah. You know, and dial back from there. Yeah, I, I think that's right because like they can't, for example, go uh, the price for a skin was going to start with at forty dollars and then go. You know what? Actually, that was too cheap. Let's go to fifty dollars. They'll immediately have this massive yeah. backlash. But they can go at forty. The guys who have too much money will spend forty, and then they'll go. Oh, this is not selling really well. Let's make it twenty. The people who bought it for forty will go boohoo and we'll go. Eh. Like, sorry, you bought it at at launch price but that's a mechanic we're used to in capitalism launch price will always be the most expensive yeah, yeah. and and you know we there's also been enough now in the microtransaction sort of like sp- like media Ecosystem. media yeah, yeah, space yeah, yeah. for there to have been enough uh, like research and market research to know how audiences price point? Yeah. how audiences react to certain things they know that it creates negative pr but they mm. also know that then being able to dial back the price over time creates positive pr and feedback Yeah. Like yeah, cool. Ed Boom, what a great guy. Yeah, Lowering the prices. Oh, Man, they're, two days. they're listening what? to the community. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Good guy, Ed. You know? Yeah, yeah. Because um, it was interesting. Superdot uh, published the top selling or top um, cash generating games over the last quarter, um, or at least this was for March. And what was interesting for me was that I think Sekiro was the only game in the console space mm. that doesn't have microtransactions that was in the top 10. I mean it also shows how wildly successful that game was that it was I think it came third. It's in the top 10 and it besides not having microtransactions it launched at the end of the month. Sure. You know, so it, it's selling I think it just outsold Dark Souls 3 now. Amazing. So it's done well as as what wants to say the traditional way of selling console games. Mm. Here's a price, you get the game. No added DLC, no bells and whistles, extra stuff. No, if you want this extra area, you pay more. It's like you get the whole game. Um, I think where people are getting pissed off is with the mixed model. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like you go. People haven't been pissed off with Fortnite. People spend two billion dollars in Fortnite. Why? Yeah. It's a free game. If you want the extra stuff, pay for it. I think where people are getting bleak, going, "Hey, I just dropped a thousand bucks on Mortal Kombat, and now you, I think the the latest mechanic was." Uh, someone did the math on Reddit as to how much it would cost to buy all the um, the, the 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 added stuff, all six hundred chests and all that, and it worked out to like six thousand four hundred dollars. And you're going, what? Like that is ridiculous. You Easy. know what I mean? Like, yeah. what? Whatever happened to going um, like they used to do? Here's base game. Here's added DLC, and then here are a bunch of like skin packs. You know that you, if you want the skins for these characters, you buy them as extra. And so you go maximum price you spend 
whatever, $60 in the game, $15 to $20 on the extra characters, and $10 for the skins of the characters you play, because you don't want the skins of the characters you don't play. Yeah, I mean, the thing is also it comes down to uh, a case of, you know, I was, I was wondering how long it would take uh, fighting games to, to catch up to this like live service loot box mm-hmm. model, because traditionally it's, it's sort of a perfect platform for it, right? Because you have this roster of characters, you can add more characters over time. Yeah. You know, um, MKX, then they had MKXL, they added a couple more characters there. I mean, how many extra characters were there by the end? I want to say about, I mean, you had the horror guys, you had Freddy yeah. and... Um, there were maybe like four or five extra characters. Yeah, extra characters. But then you also had um, Tanya and yeah. um, the Earth dude, I can't even remember his name, but like by the end, there's almost like 10 extra characters. Yeah. All at about, I want to say... About nine dollars each or so. Yeah, totally. So same thing with uh, same goes for um, uh, for Dragon Ball Fighters. I mean, over the last year, they've kind of added so many characters. Every couple months, they're adding oh, yeah. like another two characters, another two characters, and it's like you know a good nine dollars a pop each yeah. time. So they keep on get, you know as they come out, even though some of these characters I haven't even played yet. Yeah. I'm like, I just want that roster bar to, to look full. full. Yeah, so yeah. when other people come and play at my house, I don't want to have these other characters' faces yeah. like blocked out. And, and that's the thing, they make it very apparent. It's not like they yeah. go, oh, you've got the version that doesn't have it, so it's just blank. They've actually got his character there, and it's like yeah, not and playable. Like, out, not and, playable. And, and if you try and select him, it takes you straight to the shop. Like. But traditionally, when it came to things like um, unlocks uh, in whatever game, let's say um, Naughty Dog still uses a very old school system of you get rewarded with skins through playthrough. Yeah. You know, you unlock skins. So the next yeah, time you beat play- Yeah, boss or like do an achievement, like, you yeah, know, yeah, you yeah. pistols or whatever. But when it comes to fighting games, it was like, you know, when you when you beat the game, you unlock this character. When you do that, you unlock yeah. that one. So like the, the the microtransaction model has really replaced this tradition of uh, unlocks. But they're always there to begin with. Yeah. You know? um, I think the, the one that really was a kind of punch to the gut when I noticed that uh, one of the characters, Frost, in MK11, you can buy, um, I want to say it was like 100 bucks or something, so 100 rand, so what's that about, like uh, 8 or 9 dollars. Um, you can buy it immediately, but it's also a character you unlock just by playing the story mode. And I'm going like, that is, that is predatory. Because you're going, the amount of people that will buy the game and go, oh my word, I want to play Frost, let me pay the money. It's like, just play the story mode. It's not even like to finish the story mode. I think it's about like halfway through. Yeah. You've got to, you, you beat it and then you unlock it. But it's like, instead people going, oh, I don't want to play the story mode. I'm just going to pay 160 bucks. I'm like, what the hell? Yeah, it's true. I think for, um, with Dragon Ball Fighters as well, I think you needed to just uh, get a, you know, a certain amount of points in order to unlock the, the, the two blue sands. But you can just buy them. Yeah. Um, they'll always just have the option there. I think, you know, if you could put a price tag on it, why the hell not? Yeah. You know, that's kind of how these models are designed. Yeah, I, I think that's always been the, the, the idea that there are two resources in the world. You have money and you have time. And so, I mean, let's be honest, it's, that's how we trade our careers. We go, I will go to a company and work for eight hours a day and they will give me money. And another company go, cool, you can work part-time for less money. You go, yes, because I need the time more than I need the money. And there are people who have a lot of time, the unemployed and children. Yeah. <laughs> and there are people who have a lot of money and don't have time. And so they're going, I don't want to grind for hours and hours. I want to spend my money because I have lots of it, not yeah, time. Yeah. And I get that. I, I think what's happening is you having this, uh, this space where um, companies don't really want your time in game, they want your money. And yeah. so what's happening is they're heavily weighting it towards, uh, it, it's easier to pay than to wait, or pay than to grind. 
I think yeah. when these when these transaction uh, these market transactions started, there was a decent balance. Yeah, it was yeah. a case of going, you could grind a hundred hours, or you could spend, you know, whatever a hundred hours is worth. Now it's a case of like you can grind a thousand hours, or you can pay basically what an hour is worth. You're like, ah, oh, I'll just pay, I'll just pay, I'll just pay. And the, and the thing is also like a hundred hours is no joke. You know, there, there's some games that felt like I I spent a lot of time on. Yeah. I look at it, it's only eighty hours. And I'm like, okay, that that's that's a that's a good chunk. That's like yeah. a couple of days, like just doing like, yeah, that, yeah. you know. Yeah. So I I think that balance is is out of whack. Let's see what they come back with in terms of um, the new costing models. But what interests me though with the whole microtransaction things is is it going? It feels like more and more they're being baked into the game. Like yeah. you said, there are entire departments that that are doing this, but it doesn't feel like they're inherent to the game. Play, if you know what I mean. Yeah. It's like, for example, I go uh, something like a Candy Crush, which is a free game, but has generated billions and billions of dollars because the mechanic they build in, it, it feels like inherent to the game. You pay for, it's an addictive game. You like playing it. So what they do is you finish a stage and they go, before you can play the next stage, you have to wait 24 hours. It's like a cooling off period. Yeah. Or pay a dollar. And you're like, pay I, don't want, I don't want to wait. Yeah. So, so you pay. Pay to wait, yeah. But 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 it's it feels like a lot of these mechanics are being built into games that don't need them. Like um it makes sense to me in a fighting game. You buy the best game, you want the extra characters you pay, you want the pretty skins you pay. Yeah, totally. But to, and for to, the most but part, to bake in extra currencies that allow you to so you are going to buy hearts or buy time crystals that then allow you to open up a loot box to randomly get something that's what i have a problem yeah with. That, that, like Let when it comes to actually putting your money on the board i want to be able to pick off the menu yeah exactly you know and that's something i think as consumers we're actually you know we're um we're, we're accustomed to like how do you feel if you went to like mcdonald's and spin a fucking wheel mate to, like yeah. see where it lands like yeah. oh man oh, i didn't want the wrap sorry dog yeah. oh we want to try another spin yeah, exactly like <laughs> you know it's madness i mean it might be bad as something like i'm allergic to that or like yeah. you know like i'm actually vegan so why do you you know only one of the options is vegan but then would you say it's fair like if you went to mcdonald's and like cool run around the block like eight times and then you can spin the wheel for free yeah. and maybe get a maybe get a meal you know yeah and um, and I think that's where the distinction lies. You know, I have a lot of a lot of friends who've um, who communicated to me that this this sort of uh, like uh, tradition or, or model going into microtransactions in like modern AAA titles doesn't bother them for the most part okay. because they just ignore it. Yeah. And um, I also ignore it uh, for the most part. But when it comes uh, to when it comes to the point where the monetization model is actually affecting the core gameplay, yeah. like let's say in the case of um, Assassin's Creed Odyssey um, with, with XP boosters, I have friends who are like, they got the game, they bought the XP booster straight off and it still took them like 60 hours. They're oh. like, I can't imagine what that experience would have been like without it. It almost feels like it's a, it's a must buy. You know, like I do not think that XP boosters belong in, in a game like like Assassin's Creed or, mm. or Far Cry or even um, Rage 2 you, is, has a paid god mode. Oh, yeah? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think one of the worst ones was, ironically, also Warner Brothers with uh, Shadow of War. Mm. Um, the, 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 the Middle Earth kind of... Uh, I yeah, I didn't even room. bother with that. Because, I mean, I played the game, I loved it. I got yeah. through to the last area where you now have to like manage your fort and your, your troops and all this stuff. But it becomes a legitimate like 
you have to grind for hours. Yeah, also, we just buy the troops you need. The game kind of just slowed down to yeah. grinding hot for me, and and I put like a good solid like uh, 40 hours into that yeah. game, and then after that I stopped. As soon as I noticed that um, that scale started to tip, I'm like. I immediately knew I know exactly what this game has become now. Yeah. I've had my fun. Cool, yeah. thanks, bye. And I never put it in my PlayStation again. Yeah, I'm exactly the same. The minute I think it's like... Act, I didn't see the end credits. Act 5 or whatever. When yeah. you start doing basically just like... it's you, you, You're you going to keep running um, base infiltration with your new team. But then because you have to leave them there to like like protect the area, you lose them. And so now you've got to grind more. And the only way to do that yeah. basically is to buy them. So I mean like they've done a whole, uh, you know... A, an overhaul of that and I, I lent the game to a buddy who wants to try it out now yeah. again he he literally waited he sat on it he was like i'm not going to play it until they fix it <laughs> and like now he's playing it. get out my game back so, so yeah <laughs> <laughs> so that's exactly what's happened so these are kind of um other symptoms of what's happening to the player base as a result of uh these sort of i guess mandatory like um you know financial models being baked into into games now and it's i always find it interesting to see like when a new triple a title comes out how they're gonna go about monetizing it yeah. because it's, it is like sort of essential. You know, I don't think we're, we're gonna see a time where games are gonna backtrack to a point where you get the game, you get what you pay for, you put it in, maybe three months later they have the DLC, you play that cool thanks bye, we'll see you, you yeah. know, in, in version in the next one. It's becoming right. super, super rare. It's very rare. That. I mean, especially- like, it's so refreshing when it happens. The only thing though is that the way, because of the cost of games going up to produce, like we're, we're walking a knife edge a little bit because you go, if there's a massive backlash to microtransactions, um, and so, you know, people go, we, we want DLC for free, we don't want microtransactions, we want all this sort of stuff like what we used to pay $60 for a game, get X, you know, get everything. The issue is becoming that to keep studios afloat and to make enough money to run what these games are costing to make, is if your game only sells once and doesn't because remember you don't have access yeah, to the totally. resale market because someone takes their disc and sells it like a GameStop or it's like BT Games or whatever you're not getting in that money it's really difficult to keep up with your competitors who do have microtransactions and are you know a game comes out and continues to generate money years and, years. and look at GTA 5 GTA 5 is still one of the top generating games every single month yeah because of its online currency and and you know what I mean? Like I can't imagine people are still buying base game anymore. It's all just GTA on GTA online currency. And it's and it's interesting I see because the thing is you know, gaming is um, a big section of let's say we can we can package it into the entertainment industry. And in, in, and in many ways the entertainment industry has like over the last ten years like moved away from kind of a single product sale. To subscription-based model, mm -hmm. you know, you got your you got your Apple Music, you yeah, got, Netflix, your, Spotify, you got your Netflix, yeah. Spotify. It's you, you're paying a monthly subscription for for content for um, um, for these for these the products. The difference is unlimited use. Unlimited use. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's where we chatted about Stadia last week and, and services like that. It might be where this gaming thing ends up, where people yeah. go, you know, fuck it, I don't want to pay, you know, a thousand bucks for a game and then still have to like pay and pay and pay and then when I get over it I go geez I spent a lot of money on that game and I don't play it anymore it's yeah. nice like I pay a subscription I play some MK I jump into some Fallout I jump into some Far Cry I do whatever I want and when I don't feel like playing games because I'm what traveling or I like, move or whatever I just unplug and I don't have to pay for that service and when I get to a new switch I pay and everything I paid for is is there in the game so yeah uh, I don't know if that's where things that's are. crazy because because that's also like a distinction for me and a line that I have yet to cross because it's like you know when I 
So I've bought a lot of microtransactions in um, in Path of Exile, but that's a free-to-play game mm. with um, with a content team who like constantly, you know, bringing out like league after league mm. after league, and and I. I've been in positions where I have, you know, been able to buy these things. And the thing is, all the stuff that I bought in the game is all there. Mm. You know, I could jump off the game for a couple of months and might come back. It's one of those games that's designed to play forever. You know, unlike, let's say, um, A Shadow of War, where what if I now had shelled off a couple hundred dollars, you know, mm. into into that game, and it's like, I'm done. Yeah. You know, that experience. But now You're that, that disc that I had is not 60 worth $60 anymore. Mm. That disc is now, my account is worth like, you know, two, three hundred dollars and just sitting on the shelf. I can't sell that, you know. Yeah. What do I do with that, with with that value potentially that I've put into that product that I'm just not seeing yeah. anymore because it's expired now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's half half the issue. It's so bizarre. It's it's once again it's we, we chatted about it where you you have a base game for people who just like the game, and then what DLC does is it's meant to be the carrot for people who really love the game. Um, I think yeah. where, where guys are getting it wrong quite often is they go either DLC is required for the game in, in the sense of like we've seen some multiplayer games where they go um, these are the vanilla maps that are played in multiplayer and then the DLC comes out and going oh if you don't have that then like you can't play tournament or you can't play competitive mm. whatever so you have to buy the DLC to like play competitively or what we've seen quite often with games with like League of Legends is they'll go um, there is a meta and we don't like it, we want to evolve the meta, so we introduce a character that is meta-breaking, or like, yeah. you know, will completely demolish the current meta. So obviously everyone gets him, per se, the meta is, everyone's turtling, and it's just super defensive. And then you get a guy who like, you know, completely thrives on that, but he's, yeah. there's not a character like him in the meta. You bring him out at $10, everyone's like, oh my word, to win my games, I have to get him. So everybody gets him, so he sells a lot, and then the game shifts in that direction. And instead of balancing, you bring out a character that counters him, because he's in every game now. And then you've sold on another ten dollars because you've got the counter to that guy. But then it's a case of like when, let's say, uh, Mortal Kombat 12 comes around, then the value of MK11 and everything you've, you know, yeah, you've, you've, all the money you've spent on it just like plummets. Yeah, it disappears. You know, yeah. it's like cool. So you have, you know, an entire wardrobe of like Armani suits for. Yeah, for a game <laughs> you know, that no one plays. Yeah, yeah. yeah, for a game that no one plays. Like, congrats, bro. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And then you want to go. It's fine if you put in the hours and you earn that because you played the game and you're a fan and, and you've loved every minute of it. But like if you put money into it, yeah, yeah, it's it's tough, man. Like, um, like like I said, it feels like we it's a weird backlash because if we fight it too much, I worry that the backlash is guys going, cool, you don't want microtransactions, but you want high quality games that take thousands of people to make. Um, and you get super bleak when people get fired when games don't do well. So the only way around this is we have to charge more for games. Yeah. For let's be honest, I find it quite weird that games have a commoditized price. Because if you go on the mobile store, their games range from free to like, you can pay up to, I've seen mobile games for like 300 Rand. Yeah, so, yeah. And, and some for like 50, 60, yeah, it's, yeah. it's really like And a lot of it goes to scale. There are a lot of different things. So sometimes it's they're paying off a license because it's got like the Assassin's Creed license and so it's always going to be a little bit more expensive. Sometimes they're microtransactions. Sometimes they just know this game will do well and so we don't really need to, um, you know, whatever. We can yeah. make the price higher because it will sell well or we know it will sell a lot of units so we can make the price cheaper. We, or our production costs. There are a lot of different variables. It's actually weird. I haven't actually thought about that because it's almost, it's almost as though like the price of uh, games has been standardized. Like the price yeah. of bread, like someone 100%. dropped a gavel and be like, 
shall now and henceforth be yes. sixty dollars. And that's the thing because we treat <laughs> it as a commodity. It, and, we treat it as something that like no, anytime it, it goes above that line, that's not okay. Like it we, has to be here. But we've allowed certain variations because, for example, I remember when GTA Four and GTA Five came out, they were a good twenty percent cheap, more expensive than what the, the norm for games was. So I think GTA 4 came out at 700 Rand with all other games were 500. And it was like, people were just like, but it's GTA, but it's GTA 5. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I had a stupid stat, like 17% of people bought GTA on multiple on multiple platforms, as in PS3 and 4, or PlayStation yeah. and um, uh, Xbox or PC or whatever. I literally sold my copy of, uh, of GTA 5 like uh, about a month ago and I posted online, like I got, you know, like, 40 inboxes within, within, yeah, people within are interested, a day. Man. People still want to play that game and are still buying it, still trading it. Yeah, it's exactly. So it's, it's got value. And so that for me is a studio going, eh, we think it's worth 20% more than others. And it starts being a question about at what point do we stop treating entertainment like a commodity and more like art? Because yeah. for example, you go to the movies and it's like, what, like 150 rand a ticket? And yes, sometimes you go and watch you know Avengers Endgame and it's going to be worth every cent because it's like a huge blockbuster and you don't want to wait for it to be at home because you're going to, it's going to be spoiled for you and it's probably not going to be as good watching on your screen at home or sometimes it's Captain Marvel <laughs> sometimes it's a piece of trash and your like, heart falls out through your anus and yeah. you're like fuck can I get like, my money back <laughs> trashy horror or rom-com thing whatever same price though Yeah, you're paying the same amount of money for yeah. it and so part of you goes at what point do you go this is a movie that is worth 150 because it costs billions of dollars to make. This one isn't, and so it should be less, uh, lower cost. And so you almost want to go, same in the gaming community, at what point, put it this way, how often do we see a game drop to 50% off within three months because it didn't sell? Yeah. But if you'd gone, hey, if you just launched at that price, you might have sold millions because people yeah, go, totally. wow, all these other games are 700, but this one's like 400. I'll give exactly. it a shot. I mean, I've seen uh, Pro Evolution Soccer, they do that. Yep. They know yep. that like they are on the back foot against FIFA, so they always launch a month before FIFA, and they're always at least 100 to 200 rand cheaper, because they know that like their target market is maybe like people who want FIFA but can't afford it, or people are so keen for the new um, season that they'll buy a game and, a, a month earlier just because like I want to play something new. Mm. And so you know, you, you're waiting for the market to move in that direction, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, for me, look, I'm actually, I'm actually okay with the with the game industry uh, trying out different ways to monetize this service because it's, like you say, it costs a lot of money. It's a lot of manpowers. Um, um, so much is going into the, the development of these titles that there needs to be an extra rope to pull on. Yeah. Like there really needs to be leeway. Like more money coming to these companies means a lot more uh, options in terms of what they can offer in the future mm. and uh, the type of people that they can afford to hire. Yeah. Um, um, it, it's, it's just going to be a case of you know experimentation and fooling around with what works and what doesn't. And a lot of the time, what I've what I've what I felt like now in the last couple of big titles like MK um, Red Dead Redemption Two is a case of you know them them overreaching and then pulling back yeah. to equalize the backlash of the of their PR. So it's sort of like you you, you fall back at a PR zero. Yeah. Um, obviously, some things are going to be are going to work better than others, and some people respond to things differently. I, I don't know if the gaming community will ever like you know chill out about microtransactions. Whenever they are in a new title, it's always a topic to talk about. Yeah. It's always something to like um, to get hyped about, and you know 
there will always be the the opposition you know from a from a, a PR perspective um, yeah you know there'll always be a battle against it from the community well I think now we're reaching a stage where the enough generations of gamers who this is brand new to them versus like we grew up when things weren't like this or so you've got people like I imagine your Gen Z's who have who have had microtransactions. Yeah, this is how it's been. Like, this is how games are. They are. Yeah. I guess we're getting bummed because half the time I'm not paying for it. My, my dad pays for it, and so he gets bleak when I use his credit card. But like, you've also got gamers who are used to. You bought the game, not digitally. You bought a physical copy of the game. It came with an art booklet. It came with all the yeah. stuff. Now I get a get a download code. Screw that. Like, so th- there is a little bit of flux between people who've been gaming for 30 years versus people who've been gaming for a year or two and how we used to I mean I can't imagine that like you know Gen Z's and younger are are, are missing out on no, totally. the, the smell of opening up a yeah. movie like they buy oh, albums that's... and they buy movies like they never see a physical copy yeah. and they probably don't understand like but it just takes up space like, like why do you a, want a, a massive point. collection of... no it's but also on sort of on the same point it's a uh... You know this generation that's growing up with sort of this um, evolution of, of video games they were also exposed to all the media around it yeah. you know like there wasn't this much yeah, reporting around enough. video yeah. games so they're a lot more wise it to what's going on playground pr was the only thing like, you had with games with like exactly. someone would tell you that game was good or bad because there was no internet to check reviews we didn't have gaming magazines or whatever you just someone told you mario 3 is the best game ever and you should play it and so you you rented it or you or you got the thing or you borrowed the cartridge from someone but it was like you, you had the people who knew and the people who didn't. That was the reviewers, you know? Yeah, I think for kids these days, like, um, having not really experienced the side of gaming that, that we may have, like, and being sort of raised and exposed to, uh, to these types of microtransaction models, they're also a lot wiser. Like, these yeah. kids are smart. Like, they're, they're very savvy. They, they know what's up. You know, they keep up to date with, with things. And it, it might kind of uh, translate to a more informed gamer in the next like 10 years yeah. who is so wise, you know, mm. so wise to all these predatory practices. Okay, like I know that that thing's trying to trying to get me on X, Y, and Z, so I'm just going to ignore yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? So it's you, as much as uh, game developers are moving the games down this track, they're also creating a more informed uh, game audience at the same time. Yeah. And um, that, I guess, will balance out over time with how the market responds to it. Yeah, interesting enough. I mean, you're saying about them being more aware. It, it feels like, you know, if you want to use the term work, yeah. um, it feels like going back to NK, it also has, I don't know, for its own sake, good or bad, or, or is it not the place for games like this to do so? But it's, there are a couple of um, wokeness moments in the game. Yeah. So in the single player, um, I, I doubt I'm spoiling it, but like, Shao Kahn, who, as we all know, is the the ultimate bad dude. You know, they're obviously yeah. more powerful people than him, but he's seen as like the bad guy incarnate. He uses the line, let's make our world great again. And it's just like, that's an obvious stab at like saying the big bad guy uses the same line as Trump. Like, yeah, that's yeah, like yeah. trying to be woke and left and whatever. Kind of like ultra-right rhetoric. You know, same with uh, with Raiden apparently saying, I'm not waiting centuries for people to get woke. Yeah, yeah. You know, actually using yeah, actually those, that, those right? millennial taglines. But it also means that, you know, they're creating a game that wants to stay relevant in sort of the current like um, climate of like uh, gender and identity politics yeah. over the next, you know, 10 years and a lot of these kids there it's a it's a big part of their like social experience you know your kids younger and younger now deciding you know i'm genderqueer I'm, yeah and it's 
you know, their, uh, the people who they follow online on Instagram, a, a lot of their, um, their idols in, in movies, you know, yeah. it's openly gay. It's Well, I mean, if you use the fighting game community, Sonic Fox, who was the esports player of the year last yeah. year, is openly gay. And I mean, he and even says like, yeah, and furry, it's like, <laughs> I, mean, furry. I think it's on his Twitter bio, he goes like, um, I'm gay, I'm furry, but I will mix your shit at fighting yeah. games. Like, <laughs> I'll fuck you up. Once, like, bro, once. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, yeah, some people are responding negatively to that. But I do really you, don't do care. Do you think it's the space for games to position themselves politically? Because it's one of those going, I don't see what positive you get out of it. Because I generally think what's going to happen is you're going to have some people who are like, yeah, that's cool, but that's not going to be a rallying cry. You're going to have other people who are going to respond negatively. And the majority are going to go, giant meh. So why yeah. even go into that space? Like, it's not like your game has... The, like the premise has a political agenda yeah. it's different if you're playing like it's a war game or it's based on like you know like historical events you know like if you go back to it's a nazi germany type thing and then you're going to have sort of like potentially a political agenda in there it's a fighting game that's like let's be honest it's basically from a story point of view wwe with like spells and demons and stuff yeah it's, which is interesting because so so I think it's also a symptom of like just having uh, like younger people in the writing team um, in, in like a post MCU world yeah. where, where, you know, we, we spent the last 10 years seeing how um, like superheroes interact on screen. In a way you could say MK11 is like a superhero game. It's, it, it is, right? And Less so, that, so than Injustice. But you know, they're, yeah. they're definitely bringing a lot of those kind of like Marvel moments yeah. into, into the writing room. Um, seen that in a couple of games in the, in the past like with with the humor with the type of like quippy you know millennial dialogue yeah, yeah it's i guess it's just a writing style like i don't think it makes or breaks the game um i've, I've heard that the story is like uh really entertaining it's not something that'll bother me it might get like a like a little chuckle or yeah, like you yeah, say I mean, like a, like a meh but it's if anything it's possibly led to just a couple of other avenues of um of marketing and, and media there's a few more stories out there yes, like more PR angles. About it, I, I so. suppose one of them that they've they've pushed is the there are no legacy costumes for the female characters which right. I think traditionally they've always been like um, you know I don't want to say Barbie doll um, builds in terms of like hourglass figure massive yeah, breasts yeah, yeah. like wide hips and they are scantily clad and the argument's been we're removing that because let's be honest if you're going into battle you're not going to be wearing a bikini fair enough um, it's interesting that you know some other people who are contradicting that that statement go the other while they're wearing high heels. Um, yeah. You brought up an interesting point about you know taking back high heels as an empowerment. Yeah, thing. As, as an empowerment uh, thing as well. So you have a lot of um, I know popular gymnastic classes where um, you know uh, women's only workout classes where they're doing the entire thing in high heels. Oh you know, wow! It's, yeah, it's it's a part of like pop culture. It's okay. part of like you know. In a way, we can look at, let's say, the tie as like a kind of symbol of uh, masculine apparel. Yeah. Like for, for women, I guess, um, and correct me if I'm being problematic, but I think high heels is a part of that. And there is a sense of reclaiming that. And whether you're wearing a high heel or not, doesn't necessarily accentuate or, you know, you know um, uh, take away from uh, someone's essential femininity. But you can still be a powerful woman in a power suit wearing, to wearing be fair, high heels, right? a couple of the moves where the high heel sticks through the person's skull. You yeah, know, which well, is cool. Probably like, a weapon. It's, yeah, it's, it's cool. It's kind of got like you know, sort of like a, a dominatrix edge to yeah. it as well. Like I have no problem with that. I do think that it was a smart move to move away from the the bikinis and scanty overly sexualized thing. Because look, if they had to put that in, like you know, MK11, so many, so many years down the line, it would be problematic. Because it's like, guys, are we are we still on there? Can we still not kind of 
you know, cont- recontextualize like that discussion, you know. Yeah, so. yeah, 100%. It's um I guess for me it's it's just interesting that um they would feel the need to be so overly political about it when it could be the kind of thing that they yeah. they could just change. Well, it could just be like people online on Reddit making it political. Like the yeah, but you know what I mean? It's like it's one of those things like you don't have to Okay, so so the work comments and uh, let's make okay. uh, underworld. Uh, I mean, great uh, <laughs> um, again. again like, yeah. Those are definite political. Yeah, statements. totally. The desexualizing thing could just be a we've made a design decision based on the fact that like uh, we want these uh, women characters to go. If they're going into battle, they're not going to be in a bikini. They're going to be in armor. Fair enough. But like to address it as like an opening, almost salvo from a PR perspective, feels like a little bit. Hey, look at me! I'm being. Yeah, totally. Away and work and like almost virtue signaling. Yeah, look, yes, there is that point. Um, at the same time, it's like where we are currently right now in sort of this uh, 2019 kind of like a postmodern feminism. It's um, you have to take those things into account when you're designing characters, whether it's in film or in um, or in a video game. Uh, because we're we've been recontextualizing uh, female strength and and women in action, mm-hmm. you know, in the past like uh, five years through through cinema and on screen. And I saw like a uh, it was like an interesting um, article talking about um, how uh, female characters look in comic books, and if um, the male characters look the same way and pose yeah. the same way, you know, yeah. with their asses out, yeah, you know, yeah. in their in like little jocks. So it would be completely weird if we complete. If we, if we flip the script, if yeah. we flip the script, and you'd have like Scorpion out there in his like uh, like underpants, yeah, his mankini, and, and yeah. yeah, totally in his mankini, and like Sonya Blade in like you know full armor, yeah, it would, it would yeah, look yeah. completely bizarre. And then, but that makes us then um, like take a step back and analyze kind of like how we feel about and how we are uh, desensitized to these sort of common representations of masculinity and femininity in video games and on screen in general. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, geez, uh, the t- topic we could probably go for hours on, and I'm, I'm seeing we're approaching uh, our usual hour mark, which we're trying to keep things wrapped up in. Yeah, yeah. Um, the one thing I will ask you is what, let's be honest, gaming is, is a lot of it is the media and the hype and all that. What, what at the moment are you most hyped about? I'm most hyped about the um, Sega Mega Drive Genesis Mini. Okay. So the, the, the Mini sort of, uh, these mini consoles have been coming out in the last like two years ago, I think it was. Um, yeah, the PlayStation came PlayStation out, yeah. came and NES, went so yeah. fast. The, the NES did really well, SNES did really well. And I've been waiting for Sega to actually put something proper out for so many years because they sold their licensing for the Mega Drive to TT Games, I believe. Okay. Who um, created some they Chinese company. Games, yeah. they, um, wasn't TT. Uh, yeah, it's an it's another Chinese company. Okay. Um, and the consoles that they came out with were just like really bad quality. The okay. the emulation was terrible, and it and for the last sort of uh, twenty let's say years, that has been our experience. Okay. Unless you're actually playing on a legacy console, right? Yeah. Of um, of emulating these games. Um, so now they they listen to the community. They've taken the rights back, uh, and they're manufacturing it in their own in their own warehouses using their their own parts and their own uh, mm. coders so it's really good to see them coming back on the bandwagon with that taking it home making a quality product that can stand up against other products that have been coming out and doing really well 
and uh, I think there's definitely a market for it. Like I'm so hungry for these for these you know Sega games that I love so much. Yeah. On the roster we've got Earthworm Jim, Streets oh, of Rage wow. 2, we've got Shinobi 3, we've got Sonic 1 and 2, Comic Zone, Contra, Echo the Dolphin, Castlevania, like yes. full 40 titles of yeah. like great great classic Sega Mega Drive stuff and the, I think the emulation is going to be really strong as well. The only thing I always struggle with is, is going how much is look let's be honest they sold on nostalgia they can tell totally. you like you can experience the way your dad used to play gaming <laughs> like it's all nostalgia yeah. if you want to experience that go get an emulator play on your on your PC phone even so it's all about the nostalgia of the controller will probably be exactly the same that little like looks like a boomerang sort of thing mm. uh, or bat, batarang whatever um, and so you're going how much nostalgia can actually push consoles? Because my experience with playing a lot of these things is your memory of the game is way better than, than yeah. what the game actually is because you take for granted a lot of design mechanics that have happened in, like since then it is. that have vastly improved the game. So yeah. I remember playing with the PlayStation 1, going through some of those games and going, besides the graphics being terrible, terrible <laughs> so bad, you realize that like, for one, having analog sticks yeah, like okay. you didn't have that you just had the d-pad essentially like yeah. that is a massive change in the way controllers are done and design and even from a graphic point of graphic point of view uh yeah the hd but it's like 640 by 480 in terms of like yeah. the resolutions being stretched so yeah totally so i mean for me the the sega mega drive that's why i did a lot of like my uh gaming growth you know yeah, back, back in the early 90s still one of my favorite controllers all time like i, I prefer yeah, that controller to the to the nintendo controller i learned to play fighting games on its um, mk2 mk3 yeah. uh, on um on sega mega drive and um it is i think like if it's for the nostalgia factor like i'm sold yeah. like you got me okay. you know when, when i was uh, doing some research on it the other day um it just started reminding me of some of the old games that i played and i just literally put on the fucking soundtrack <laughs> like yeah. of some of these games and had this 8-bit soundtrack going in the back yeah. and like you know 25 years later, I know every single note. Yeah, I can whistle it, the Sonic soundtrack It's like this, baked yeah. into the back of your brain and it just like brings back all those feels. And sure, maybe I'll uh, plug it in and only play a couple hours and be done with it for the yeah, next couple you months. Your but it's like, I got it, I, they got my money. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. that's so, all they care about. Yeah. yeah, and I think as long as the price point is good because I think that's where the PlayStation one did poorly. Yeah. Besides having a, a very, I would say, mediocre um, options of games so like they had some good ones but a lot of them were the key ones missing but um i do think that the price point came in a bit heavy because you saw mm. them almost at 50 percent discount within three months it was yeah. almost like i get it in for christmas when people have a lot of money and then straight afterwards they're like ah oh, this is the real price but you, do you have I'll a price point about, on that price point i'd say around like like 1300 probably around okay. there like I, i'm hoping they'll, they'll hit there that's kind of where the snes was sitting um like one three one two fifty around there. I don't think they'll be able to get away with much more. Yeah. To be uh, do you have details on launch date yet? Launch date September. September this year. Yeah, a couple okay. months away. Cool. Mm. So start saving up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thanks everyone for for listening in. This has been our latest episode, the episode two of the Gaming Guru podcast uh, with myself Gareth Woods and Tim Lester. Uh, be sure to listen in next week or immediately if you're listening in the past. <laughs> Um, and we'll be chatting more uh, gaming stuff. So until then, uh, see you around. Ciao.